So today, the Lord is not done. I'm excited about what He wants to share with you from the Word today. And really, if you're a guest, uh, you can see that we love to worship. I mean, we want to encounter God. I mean, if we, if we show up and we can't encounter God and get in God's presence, then we've kind of wasted our time. And so we, we want to press in. We want to, we want to go for all that, that God has for us. We want to, we want to give Him the, the honor He deserves, that, that He deserves everything. I mean, He deserves everything I can express from, from within my heart. If I'm, why would I withhold what is rightfully His? He is worthy. What does that mean? He's worth it. He is worth being worshipped. He's the only person in the universe that can say, worship me, and he's not being arrogant. <laughs> worship me. Because <laughs> if he is God, then he's, he deserves it. He's worthy. And so we want to encounter him in, in worship. And so I want you to open in your Bibles the book of Revelation. You're like, I thought this was Easter Sunday, man. <laughs> We're going to open to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. Revelation 1 and verse 18. You'll see how this actually is an Easter verse here in just a second. But you, yeah, I know, I love it. You're like, Revelation? <laughs> this pastor has lost his mind. <laughs> This is Jesus talking when he shows up and he's meeting with John the Apostle. And he says this, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. That's Easter right there, is it not? <laughs> Told you, it's in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1 and 18, Jesus shows up and he just announces to John, he just wants to let him know just in case he had forgotten. Because remember, John met him after he rose from the dead. You know, he, he met with John and the disciples. He appeared, it says Jesus appeared to over 500 people after he rose from the dead. So there are 500 witnesses, historical witnesses that Jesus came back from the dead. There was no mass hallucination. There was no, uh, Jesus didn't just sleep for a while in, in the tomb and, and relax and then come back out. No, he was really dead and he really came back to life and people really saw him and it is a verified historical fact. And so when Jesus shows up, he's appearing to John and says, I want to show you some things. What does he do? One of the first things he says, it says, I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I'll talk about death for a second. First of all, God didn't create death. Death was not in the original plan. It was not in the original creation. It did not, it did not exist. In fact, death may be one of the few things that was created that God didn't create. It came into being because of sin. Sin brings death. And so 
when you experience death with a loved one or death with someone you care about or you just think about the word death or the experience or you're getting older and you're aware, hey, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit living. I'm going to stop breathing. And we all think, man, it just doesn't feel natural. Hey, guess what? It's unnatural. Death is totally unnatural. That's why it feels so nasty. That's why it feels so bad. That's why it's so... Because uh, it was never supposed to be that way. It was never supposed to exist. So when that's happening, you can know that that's something that is not a part of God's original plan. Now, when sin entered the world, of course, there was not just physical death. There was also what? Spiritual death. When Adam and Eve, the first human, sinned, it says they, they, were, they, they died inside. There was something that was, that was alive in them, and then it was no longer alive in them. They were no longer connected on the inside. They were not connected in, in their spirits with God anymore. There had been a separation. There had been a break because they had chosen to honor the word of someone else above God's word. And they followed the devil himself, Satan, who appeared as a snake, and they trusted him. And so they took the word of the devil instead of the word of the Lord. And so there was a breaking that day. There was a separation. It says, in Adam all died. You know, that day there was, there was, there was a death that was passed to every human being that we're born with. We are born broken. We are born spiritually dead. We are born separated from God. And we need someone else to bring us life. So when Jesus showed up and had the keys, where did he get the keys? Anybody know where he got the keys? Well, let's look at Hebrews 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Anybody remember where the book of Hebrews is? I don't. There it is. Hebrews 2 in verse 14. And it says this. It says, since the children have flesh and blood. Who's that? He's talking about us as the humans, uh, the people on earth. Jesus, that's who he's talking about. He too shared in, the, in, hum, in their humanity so that by his death, He might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So in this scripture here, we see who who is in charge of death, who had the power of death before Jesus died. It was the devil himself. And see, you know, keys, keys can represent a lot of things. You know, keys can be like an access point. You know, they can, they can open a door and get you to a place you couldn't access before. But in, in the Bible, most of the time, keys represent authority. In other words, it's kind of like when you put someone in charge of a place, you know, we don't hand out a key to everyone in the congregation to this building. Sorry. We have a lot of keys out, but... 
Not everybody has a key. So you can look around to those and wonder who next to you if they have a key to the building. But you only give, you know, you only want to give a key. Uh, you don't give a key to anybody. Um, you know, there's only myself and my wife. And I think my in-laws might have a key to my house. That's it. You know, no one else. Because you put the person who is in charge, who has the authority of the house, who who want who needs to control whether something is open or shut, whether it's locked or open. And so that's you only want the person who is who is, has the authority in that place. And so Jesus had to come get the keys to death because the devil had them. The only way he could get to the devil and get to hell, Hades was to die. He had to die and die as a sinner. He wasn't a sinner, but he died as a sinner. He died as one paying the price for sin. What was part of the price for sin? Eternal separation from God. Where does that happen? That happens in hell. There is a hell and there is a heaven. Just so you know. The only thing that determines which place you spend eternity is your response to the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation that he has given. And so when Jesus died, he had to go somewhere and take the keys. And we've been talking about the kingdom of God here for the past several weeks. If you're a guest with us, we've been on a series about the kingdom of God. And there's, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness. And there's a, there's a battle going on. Uh, that is still going on in, in some ways, but the battle has already been won. And this is the moment when the battle was won. This is the very moment. Because what happened was the king of kings showed up in the domain of darkness. And there was nothing that the devil or any demon could do to stop him. Because even though Jesus died taking on sin... He was a perfect human being. He had lived a perfect life, so he didn't deserve or belong to be in hell. And so he could not rightfully be held there by anyone. Did you know that the devil was not fooled when Jesus died on the cross? I know that's a popular sermon. It sounds really cool, and there's lots of songs about it too. I even like some of the songs. But here's the deal. Every time you see the devil show up, In the life of Jesus, he's trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. Every time Jesus says, think about it. Some of you are like, (laughs) when Jesus is tempted, what is the devil trying to get him to do? He says, hey, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. Just bow down and worship me. Was Jesus going to get all the kingdoms of the earth? Yes. That was part of the victory, was to, was to win the battle, was to establish the kingdom of God so that, you know, everyone could be a part of the kingdom, so that the earth could no longer be the kingdom of the enemy. It could be the, the place where the kingdom of God was, was operating and dwelling. And so the enemy tries to get him away. What's another place? When Jesus says, hey, I'm going to die to the disciples, and Peter comes and says, no, 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 Jesus, that's never going to happen to you. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. So whenever you have the devil showing up, 
there, I mean, there's not only a few times, you know, whenever he shows up, he is trying to deter Jesus from the cross. And I believe, yeah, the enemy was stirring up, stirring up the crowds. He was stirring up the, the soldiers to beat on Jesus because that was his last resort. Maybe I can inflict enough harm. Maybe I can give enough pain where he will not go through with what he has to go through with. Because I believe the devil knew why Jesus showed up on earth. God didn't have to make it a secret. He said, I'm going to do this. It's kind of like when you got your, your star player on, on a basketball team. It works best with basketball, even though I don't even care for the sport that much anymore. But, you know, if you got the star player on the basketball team, you know, let's go back to, it's really old school now. We're going to mention a name that some of you kids have never heard of. Michael Jordan, okay? <laughs> Right? One of the greatest basketball players ever, if not the greatest. That's, I'm not going to get into that debate, okay? <clears throat> Don't really care. But here's the deal. At the end of the game, when the Chicago Bulls are down by one, there is no... They don't have to come up with a trick play. Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to pass the ball to Michael Jordan... He's going to do whatever he wants, and he's going to score. And no one's going to stop him. Okay? Six straight championships, even though I was rooting against him every single time. Okay? I'm not, a, I'm not even... I don't like Michael Jordan. I've never been a fan. Like, I rooted against that guy every single time. L- losing battle. Okay? Don't... Whatever team I pick, pick the other one. Okay? So... But here's the deal. Everybody knew it was going to happen, but he still was able to carry it out. How much more when Jesus showed up on earth to carry out his plan, all the devils and the demons, they knew it was going to happen. They just couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't stop him. And so when Jesus is dead for three days and, and he's doing some stuff, part of what he did was... He, is, he came back in his authority and his power and he took it back rightfully from the devil. And one of the things he took was the keys of death. It says that the devil held the power of death before Jesus did that. And so now Jesus is the one in charge of death. You know, in the book of Revelation, it even personifies death. At the end of all things, when Jesus comes back and restores order, makes a new heaven and a new earth, and one of the enemies that's going to be thrown away is death. In other words, hey, you weren't ever supposed to be here, and so I'm going to get rid of you forever from the universe. Bye-bye, death. You're gone. But Jesus had to do it by winning the victory by his death and his resurrection. Isn't it interesting? (laughs) Think about it. Jesus beat death with death. (laughs) It's like he, you know, he used everything, you know, he beat death with death. He used what was, what the power that was already there and used it against it and said, I'm going to beat death with death. I mean, God always has just, he's always thinking differently. Of course, he's the, prince of life he's the he's the lord of all life he's the he's the source of life and so when life met death life won so when life meets death life always wins 
want to focus in here on just this last last portion. In verse 15, it says again, it says, And Jesus came to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Here's the deal. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear death. And here's the deal. There's all kinds of people that after they come to Jesus, there's still just this this great fear of dying. And I'm just here to tell you today that you don't have to live with that anymore. You don't have to live with that today. Some people, you know, have you ever met someone or maybe you've gone through this yourself where there's some people that that in their heads they think over and over again, I'm going to die early. I'm going to die. I'm going to die young. You know, there's this there's this lie. And so what's what's happening there? They're being held captive by the fear of death. And I believe it's one of the the greatest thing, some of us, we try to just pretend it's not there. Some, some people, they try to just not think about it. But when people are faced with death, you know what they really believe. I, I, I had a great teacher in, uh, in Bible college. He was an amazing man of God. His name was John LaWersey. And I, for those of you who have been at this church a long time, cover your ears because you've heard it before. Okay? <clears throat> He was just an amazing man of God. This is a man. They dropped him out of an airplane into Papua New Guinea among the cannibals in an area. And he led them all to Jesus. Once he left, years and years later, he lived among them, learned the language, helped translate the Bible into their language. And over 90% of them became followers of Jesus rather than cannibals. I mean, they were literally cannibals like they ate other humans. You know, it wasn't just a movie script. I mean, this is the real, real life deal. And so, and he's from he's from Holland. He's Dutch. He's from the Netherlands. You know, so he's got this Dutch accent. He he knew he knew about eight languages fluently and about fifteen languages he could get by in. Just an incredibly smart man, but a man who was passionate about God. He loved God, and a man who had the boringest lectures in the history of college. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how a dude who was so amazing could have a boring lecture, I don't know. Uh, but then he'd pull out the stories, you know, and pull out the old slide thing, you know, and show us the pictures of when he was among them in Papua New Guinea. Now, when I was in college, he, he uh, became very sick. I believe he had cancer of some sort. And we came to the hospital because we're young Bible college students and we believe in healing. And, you know, this isn't... This is just what happened. I'm not telling you whether this is right or good or the way we should think or not. But we were going to come pray for him. And he, we came in. And he said, I'm going home. Don't pray for me. <laughs> well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> he said, I believe I'm going home. And you know, I'm ready right now. He had no fear of death. No fear of death. And so we, instead of praying for him, we, somebody had a guitar and we pulled out the guitar in that hospice hospital and we began to worship the Lord together. A couple of guitars and a bunch of college students and an old college professor. He wasn't really that old. He was probably in his, I won't say, he wasn't that old. <laughs> Younger than some of you. And we worship the Lord. But man, I, I don't know of 
anybody else who displayed a life where he lived his life fully and he was not afraid of death. He was ready to be with Jesus. You know, I don't know if you heard about this. Did you hear about what happened in Hawaii? It's been a couple months ago where they accidentally sent the emergency alert to everybody in Hawaii. You know that text message thing you get that has that really annoying noise? You know, in the middle of the night when you're, you know, you're finally asleep and your kids are not keeping you awake by the miracle of God. And, uh, and then, then your phone goes off with this alert of some sort, you know, that they can, they can send a message to everybody all at once. Isn't that kind of freaky? But um, so in Hawaii, if you didn't hear about this, whether the story is true or not, supposedly somebody accidentally put in the wrong code in the computer. And so a text message alert or whatever went out to everybody in Hawaii that a North Korea missile was imminent and to take shelter. I mean, can you, you're like, some people are like, (laughs) I mean, you know, and you know, it's like, you're like, this is like legit. This is official. You know, it's not your friend texting you like, ha, 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 hee, No, this is like that, that alert thing. You know, only the government can send you this message, you know. <laughs> I mean, and isn't it amazing? And for, I believe it was about 45 minutes. I can't remember exactly. I got some friends, some pastor friends. Uh, for 45 minutes, people in Hawaii thought their time was up. That they were imminently in danger of death. And I remember a post that that one of my pastor friends wrote there that said, For 45 minutes, we were totally focused on what mattered most. You know, at that point, you know, you're not checking the stock market to see how your stocks are performing. You're probably not checking your fantasy football team or whatever. Um, You're probably not just saying, hey, let's throw on a movie. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably not watching some reality TV show that's really uh, boring. You're you're not doing anything that is totally unimportant. I mean, I bet you there's people that are they're looking for their kids, they're hugging their loved ones, they're, do, you know, they're going to what is most important. Some people are praying, some people are just freaking out probably. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like in Hawaii. I mean, like some people I'm sure still didn't believe, you know, they're like, oh, no, no, that can't be real. And other people were like ready to jump off the island or start swimming to the next place or something, you know. I mean, you can't get away. I mean, you're on an island. So don't move there. Um, <laughs> hey, we're going to hit Midlands. Like, I'm getting in the car, man. Let's get out of here. <laughs> get something. Like, give me an off-road vehicle because I'm going off-road because the roads are going to be packed. So, But, you know, I mean, it's amazing that whether it was a mistake or a ploy or a political thing or whatever, who knows what happened. I mean, again, I'm going to be thinking, like, change the button thing there, like, that, where you can't just that, whoops, <laughs> oops, I hit sin, not, you know, <laughs> test sin, not sin, you know, oh, boy, that, that guy got fired. Um, <clears throat> how, how to get fired, ASAP. Uh, but really, if you think about it, here's the deal. 
Death is imminent for all of us. It might not happen today. I pray it doesn't for you. But it could. We are not guaranteed another breath. It says in the scriptures that our life is like a vapor. Our life on earth is like... And it's gone. And am I going to live in fear of death? Am I going to let that control my life? Or am I going to live in fear of God and let Him control my life? Jesus has the keys to death. And in fact, in some ways, to a believer in Jesus, death doesn't ever really come. You die on this earth, but it's not, it's not, it's not forever. It doesn't last. It has no power over us. I love this phrase that we put on this board back here, and we sang it in a song. Death could not hold him. And so death does not rightfully have a hold on me as a believer in Jesus. Jesus determines my days. And I want to trust Him with what He has given me. And so I want us to to close in prayer today. And if you all will stand up. I I do want us to, to... If anybody still needs healing in their body, we want to pray that you would experience the miraculous power of Jesus in your life. And so, if you need prayer for healing, I'm going to have you lift your hand. But I also want you, if you, if you need prayer and you feel like you need the, the fear of death to be broken in your life, that may be, you may have the thoughts that I'm going to die early. I know for me, I've had to battle things like... Um, my mom died at 61. What if I die at the same time? You know, just, just things that don't need to be controlling me, don't need to be influencing my life today. And so you may be battling something like that where a family member had a disease and you're afraid of getting that and dying. That's the fear of death right there. That is the fear of death. And you don't rightfully as a child of God have to live with that because Jesus delivered us from the fear of death. So if you need healing in your body, or you just say, I need, I need to be free from the fear of death, we're not going to differentiate who that is. Just, just lift your hand real quick. If that's you, if you say, I need prayer for any of those things today, whether that's healing or deliverance from fear, just kind of lift your hand real quick. Is that you? Anybody in here? It says, that's me. There's one. There's two. There's three. So Father, right now, as we pray, We are believing right now for you to minister the power of Jesus right now. Lord, we thank you that you have the keys. You hold our lives in in your hands now. It is not in anybody else's hand, God, that death could not hold you, that life could not overcome death. We thank you, Lord, that you conquered death, that you beat death, that you beat sin, that you beat the devil, that you are the victorious, reigning King of kings. And so right now we come against anything that would stand against your reign. And we say, fear of death, you go from hearts in the name of Jesus. Let it be broken this very day. May we remember this Easter and say, I was free that day. I was set free that very day. And that no longer has a hold on me. My chains are gone. I've been set free. We declare it by the power of Jesus Christ 
this very day. For anybody who needs healing in their body right now, Lord, we just declare wholeness and health. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our healer, Lord, that you sealed it when you took the whip upon your back, that by your stripes, by your wounds, we were healed. And so we thank you for that healing, that victory over sickness being manifest right now in every single body. So any sickness, I command you go from these bodies in the name of Jesus. Disease go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just give you praise today, Jesus. We thank you that you're the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You hold the keys of death and hell, God. You are now, you are in charge and your kingdom is advancing. And we choose to join that kingdom and worship you and honor you and trust you and follow you all the days of our lives. In the name of Jesus. Can we just give God some praise as we close today, God? We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive. Jesus, Jesus, we worship you, God. Amen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Yes, God, we praise you. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, hug somebody on the way out. If you still need prayer for anything else that we didn't pray for, please grab one of us. Be blessed.